Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Pretty good. Doing doing okay. Um, I actually, as, as the recording weekend here, um, and I, I knew it would be perfect to bring up here, especially since uh, we are sponsored by Shudder and everything. Yes. Um, it took me so long to get to this, and I don't know why, because it's, it's less than an hour long, but I finally watched Host. Oh yeah, that movie really got me. I was, I mean, what an, a neat, effective idea, and just like, I mean, there's there's some seriously unsettling shit in that movie. That uh, I mean, uh, Rob Savage, the guy that put it together. I mean, brav fucking oh man, holy shit. Yeah, uh, I was kind of blown away by that film, uh, and I know it's short. It's not really exactly feature uh, length, but. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, if you have don't have Shutter and you use the code TremblePod, check it out. Yes, post it's fucking cool. It is. Um, it's also Super Bowl weekend, and if anything, the ads are always great. Did you, have you guys seen the one where Timothy Chalamet plays Edward Scissorhands' son? No, what? oh no, my god, I need to find this afterwards. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. Oh, awesome! Are you a Super Bowl guy? Are you going to be watching uh, the game? I I probably will not. I <laughs> I don't have the attention span to watch it anymore. I used to like. I used to be really big into like watching games every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think after a while, you just realize there's a life to live, and mm-hmm. which is ironic because this year I don't think we really have much of a life to live. But no, <laughs> no, not really. Perfect year to watch it, but yeah, that's what I was thinking. Are, are you sports minded at all, Taylor? Not really. I mean, like, no. if I was to go to a Super Bowl party, I would definitely be down because there's always good food. But yeah, oh, for sure. Other, other than <laughs> You're that... You're over anything. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, the, <laughs> the closest I get to watching sports is maybe watching hockey if my family's watching it already. But, yeah. Super Bowl, to me, I mean, especially when we're talking food, and we're going all over the place here, I, I totally understand that. And sorry, Kurt, for, all, for any editing you have to do later. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> but Super Bowl, like... Super Bowl and food to me means chili. I don't know why, but it's mm. like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's where you have a really goddamn good chili that's been like making since Saturday. Mm. That's true. See, I always think of like seven layer dip. And that too. <laughs> okay. and it's funny, I had that yesterday as I was watching um, one of the movies we covered. So <laughs> I did, already did the seven layer dip. So maybe I have to do chili today. I'm oh, yeah. forever going to be a wing guy. Oh uh, yes, or nachos. Yeah. Nachos are also good, but I I think like it was funny. I think like a few Super Bowls ago, I went over to a friend's and they're like, "We know Kurt likes wings," and they brought out these dry rub chicken wings that blew oh my, my freaking mind. It's like no sauce. It's all just like dry herbs and stuff. It was amazing. So yeah, I no, now I gotta do that because we got a foodie ninja for Christmas. 
which is oh. like the three in one and it fucking does everything. Yeah. I know. I, I'm one of those weirdos that has an air fryer now and doesn't shut up about it. But they are the fucking game changer, man. And wings are something that it changes the game on. I will sometimes just eat wings and watch horror movies. I've done it Hell before. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> just not during society. No, not during society. At least no. during one pivotal <laughs> scene during society. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's funny because, like, speaking of horror movies and stuff, I've been watching WandaVision. Oh, yes. It had, like, a very horror moment, not the last episode, but the one before with Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. just cuts to, like, a character who's dead. It shows a dead hole. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) When did Marvel get into horror? But I was just thinking about that today. I was like, I I think the Doctor Strange, uh, the multiverse one, I think Raimi's going to make it a horror movie because it seems like a lot of the MCU movies are kind of hybrids. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Ant-Man ones are heist movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, they're all seem to be these fun little hybrid versions. And I think Raimi's going to make the multiverse one more horror. That would be so cool. I kind of like that they're doing that though, because even though it's still the same overarching universe, Mm -hmm. you get a little bit of different stuff with each. It's not just the same rehashed stuff over and over again. No, that's what I enjoy about about the MCU um, a lot is is they they take bold chances, and I I know the the, if you're on Twitter or anything, they're like the people like to shout on people that call Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff filmmaking, but it really is i mean there is yeah. an overarching goal but these they are taking chances with a lot of stuff i mean fuck look at thor ragnarok that movie takes so many chances in being a hybrid comedy yeah mm-hmm. i i think too you know not get on like too much of attention but like i do feel like part of the appeal of those movies is that each one of them feels slightly different and mm-hmm. even if there's like some common elements to each of them you know they feel individual enough that you don't get that fatigue that you would otherwise get with other movies. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's like, you know, you don't try to make a Superman movie that feels like a Batman movie because you're trying to mm-hmm. totally mishmash these together. Like, yeah. Look at Man you, of Steel. Look at you, Man of Steel. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now that now they're in, like, they're, they're, they're all the fanboys are, are, are psyched because, uh, Justice League is getting its release on March 18th and blah, blah, blah. I just, I have, I'm still in shell shock from the last Justice League and the last uh, Zack Schneider um, slapping in the face of everything fandom when it comes to DC with Batman versus Superman. So uh, I'm sorry if I'm not super on board with seeing a re-edited and rehashed rated R for some fucking reason um, fanboy jackoff, which is what this movie is <laughs> going to be. Well, like, and really when you boil it down, it is just a director's cut. Like, that's really all yeah. it is. This is, has was, to be one of the most hyped director's cuts of a movie I've ever which seen. Will, which could possibly blow up in Warner Brothers and Snyder's face. It's, it's, yeah. I think there's like a 75% chance of that happening at this point. Yeah. But that's one He's not a good filmmaker. Point. He's not a good filmmaker. I, 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 there yeah. are stuff that I like that he's done, but he's not... I don't think Zack Schneider is a good filmmaker. I think he is an ideas guy that um, he needs to be reined in. Totally. Yeah. Um, but how we're going to segue from that to skateboarding vampires, I don't know. But we're, <laughs> about, we're talking about a girl walks home at night. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. This movie rules. Has ruled. Yeah, forever will rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I have a way to tie it to the MCU, though. Oh, I'm here for it. Okay, well, so, I, I mean, this can largely be... Because I, I feel like this movie isn't super horror. Like, it, it it's it's an, an art piece, 100%, I feel. I feel it, it's uh, Anna Lily Amanpour kind of taking a mishmash of ideas and applying them to something that I believe that she... A story that she feels deeply kind of connected to. Yeah. Because um, you, you feel a lot of it. I mean, all the skateboarding stuff is on Lily Amanpour herself, right? So it's like... Uh, they're, they're like that She just has this, like this deep love for all these elements that she's throwing into this movie, uh, especially with so many of the, the like different characters. I mean, one of them looks directly like Ninja from Diane word, yeah. but just like the Iranian version of that. Uh, but I mean, this is a vampire Western kind of at its heart. Yeah. Um, and uh, Chloe Zhao, uh, another, uh, another female director that is just like, hotly on the rise uh i haven't seen nomadland yet and i'm super excited for it but i love the rider um she has proposed a western dracula movie yeah uh, for uh universal uh that is being greenlit and is going to go ahead but chloe Zhao has a big big budget movie that is in the tank right now and waiting for that release date and it is the marvel eternals movie so yeah. there's your tie-in. Vampire Westerns. The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to... I, I mean, I know it's a loose tie-in. Like, I, I, I'm going for a wide arc here, but I did you, say I would try to tie it in a little you, bit. You got, you got there. You, you made those connections. <laughs> it's yeah, wide, wide arcs. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, the official summary of this movie, residents of a worn-down Iranian city encounter a skateboarding vampire who preys on men who disrespect women. So, And looks fucking badass doing it. Yeah. It's so, yeah. I mean, the, the, the black and white elements of this are, are used so well, especially in her cloaking. Like, yeah. her, her divisiveness between her just, like, in her apartment doing her shit... And, and you know, jamming out to music and whatever, and then her on the streets is so uh, night and day. Like it, it's so brilliantly constructed, um, and yeah, I so badass. Like this, this movie is so incredibly badass. I um, I actually got a lot of like Universal monster kind of vibes from this. Hmm. Like with mm -hmm. the black and white and how they like frame frame her and all that. Like it definitely seems to be calling back to those movies in a lot of ways, which I thought was pretty cool. But I don't like. I, am I alone in feeling that this movie isn't direct directly horror, other than it having a vampire in it? No. Yeah, there weren't really too many like scary scenes because even with like you kind of know who the quote-unquote monster of the mm -hmm. movie is, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're still pretty sympathetic to her for the most part. That's Then that's exactly how I felt about like it not really being horror, because I'm like, okay, well, to me, more than uh, Am uh, was it Amash, mm -hmm. the, uh, the male character, I, I feel that, that she is 100% the, the, the main rooting point of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I almost feel like maybe if they they drew out the the drug dealer a little bit, that plot instead of kind of offing him from the get go, maybe that would have added some more horror elements to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it kind of did almost feel a little bit like a love story through some of it, or just like, I don't know her just trying to live her life, but also she was kind of helpful. Like she helped, I don't remember her. I think her name is Atti, the other character, mm-hmm. um, the other female character. She was like trying to help her a little bit. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like, it was almost a more emotional movie than it was a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah exactly how I felt. And I, and I mean, it's definitely, um, it's something that Amanpour, she borrows elements from a lot of, different like i i felt like so i I felt like comic lore in in a lot of the shots i felt like so so many different like like influences i I mean the crazy thing about this is it's an iranian film at 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 the number one but that it was filmed in like small town california oh really yeah so it's like it's like like she's very much a, a landed american now but she made a film that hearkened to her soul and stuff and maybe there are little pieces of it that uh represent as horror being the vampire and everything but uh, almost uh, the girl is almost like just like a, a, a metaphor really yeah mm-hmm. like, like i mean either that or you can just take that arash leaves with her and kind of becomes her renfield type thing but she doesn't need it like she is no. not that type of vampire no so I don't know, but oh man, Spectre Vision! Like, come on, these oh, guys yeah. are. I I adore this company. If there was, if there was any under underlying studio that wasn't like A twenty four or one of the the big boys and stuff like that, Spectre Vision would be probably at the top of my list for like every time I see their logo, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> they also did Mandy in Colorado Space. Yep. So yes, yes, and uh, I, I mean, uh, come to Daddy as well um so much uh yeah elijah wood daniel noah and josh c waller are the uh people that founded it in 2010 that's crazy Mm -hmm. but they really seem to know like what their audiences want yeah see so and and i think it comes from them being kind of fans themselves people that sat in the audience at sundance at south by southwest and stuff like that and we're like Mm -hmm. you know we need to cast our own net uh, uh of of genre films yeah. um and they they nail it they really do i i think that they uh they, they they should do some outside acquisitions and maybe pick up um uh steven kostansky uh the void and, and psycho Goreman mm. into their net like i i feel like there are other filmmakers that are on the outside of that the rkss guys um there are people that should be in the net of SpectreVision, and then they'd be fucking unstoppable. See, here's the thing, though. Like, I've been to Fantastic Fest for quite a number of years. It's mm-hmm. a shame that we couldn't do it this past year. But um, anytime I go, they always have a huge presence there. They always bring their movies. And it's funny because you almost get the impression that they just don't give a shit. Like, really? They they could do so much more, and even like when it comes to promoting their movies, like I remember they were set up for Mandy, and they had like this like shoddy ass looking booth. It looked like it could probably cost them like twenty bucks, and there they had like some promotional materials, and then off somewhere was uh, Nick Cage just being a crazy person in IRL. <laughs> But, like, they don't seem to care. Like, I don't think... I get the impression that they just don't care how their movies end up. Like, they well, just... maybe they're 
cocky. Maybe they're cocky to the fact that yeah. they know that the film will speak for itself. Yeah. And that... I mean, because the word of mouth on everything that they've done has it's... been so, so big. Even going back to 2014 with, with uh, A Girl Who Walks Home at Night, like Home yeah. Alone at Night, like... Like it premiered 2014 in Sundance that year, and then it had its release date in November of that year. Mm. But there was a fever pitch leading up to that because people knew of this debut film, this black and white debut film, yeah, that was made for pennies. Mm-hmm. That was going to blow some minds, and I mean, it did. <laughs> like, oh it really yeah, did. 100 percent. Um, cool. When was the first time you watched this movie? Uh, I wish I'd saw it in theaters. I didn't get to see it in theaters. I saw it on Blu-ray uh, not too long after it came out. Maybe if three or four weeks after it came out. Okay. Yeah, I slept on this one for a bit. I actually didn't end up seeing it until for the podcast. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had seen this on... Netflix at one point I think it was on there and uh, yeah I watched it I liked it um, and I don't think I've ever really revisited it aside from that one time so mm. but it's on Shutter, so shout yes. out to that so if you want to watch it it's on Shutter. and uh, yeah I rewatching it I'm like why don't I rewatch this more because it's a good movie I don't it know is. if it's got the rewatch value of something that I would go back and watch frequently, but I, I still can respect what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those films that feels like once it's exposed that you don't, it, it probably doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. Uh, I think for those reasons, it's also one that I find that's kind of hard to um, rec. It's like not a recommend movie. Mm, yeah, unless you're, unless you're like, do you like, do you like, uh, films that are above all, they're a, a, more of an art installation. Then, yeah, then I would recommend re- recommend it. You know what I mean? Because it's there's some pieces on this that can hang in a fucking art gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it definitely has a bit of a slower pace to it than other vampire horror movies, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, Taylor, what was the or? You said you saw, uh, saw this for the podcast. Sorry, I totally blanked. I was like, what? <laughs> it's one of those mornings. Um, <laughs> email time. Uh, Ron says, as a huge David Lynch fan, I got mad Eraserhead vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that, but... There's some stuff inside her apartment that I would pick up on that from. Okay. Yeah. It, it also seemed like, I don't know if this was just me watching it but during the scene where um they're in the club and they take the drugs i feel like there's some weird visual things that happen yeah. with that but i couldn't tell if that was just me <laughs> it, it, it all like in camera shit too which is so fucking fascinating um there, there's so many bold moves that that uh that uh anna makes uh with uh i mean what's the cinematographer lyle vincent Mm-hmm. that are just like holy shit like it's like veteran shit in the, in this movie and it really like i i mean how well they play with the black and white medium and everything because I, I really would love to see the film and in, in how like uh 
because I, I feel like they maybe they, they didn't film it in black and white. I feel like I feel like that was like maybe a post effect or something. But mm. uh, how this movie would play in color, because, mm. you know, like that, it almost feels like an extra character as well, especially in her darkness you know, as she's stalking people and stuff, which is uh, and I, I mean, uh, something that we haven't brought up yet, too, is is how how fucking brilliant the soundtrack is in this movie mm-hmm. oh yeah because it, it is I, I mean it has like Sergio Leone qualities to it um plus it's got like this this uh this iranian punk like skate punk like draw to it it's got some new wave to it oh I, there's so much about this i love and it's like almost like a, a completely timeless story as well even though we don't have like like us three at least we don't have the the lead in to know what it's like to live in small town Iran, but there is still that, that, that texture to it. Yeah. And it's interesting because the mu- music never felt like it was like overpowering the movie. Either. No, like mm-hmm. a lot of strong elements to it, but I never felt like, okay, this is too much for what this movie is. It's almost like though, like the music is up, Kind of like you were saying about how the the black and white feels like a character in and of itself, especially mm. because of the way that she listens to music and and the, how the song comes on right at the end. It's almost kind of like the music is a, a part of a character too, and it, that kind of ties into the movie. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Garrett says I can't tell if this movie values style over substance or if I just didn't pick up on the subtext. Thoughts? Mm, I think no. Sub- there but i I mean they feel like they move neck and neck with each other really yeah i mean it's a very stylish movie so i could see how you could think that because Mm -hmm. it's very stylish but i don't think there's a lack of substance either no I, i think even when there's not a ton going on on screen there is still a lot going on on screen with the characters like Mm -hmm. even if it's just focusing on their facial expressions they're still like they're supposed to be processing in that in that low, I guess. But it does make some scenes go a little bit slower. And if you're not 100% into that, like that emotional side or the, I guess, the artistic style of the movie, then I can see how it might not grab you the same way. I think uh, to compare, I'm um, reporting to like another director. It's very Tarantino-esque where I think... Mm-hmm. There's a ton of style, but that's where you derive the substance from. Yep. Uh, you know, Tarantino is very similar, and not to you know compare the two too directly, but I think at least in that sense, you know, the style is there to serve the substance, but it's not saying there's a lack of substance at all because there's definitely some there, at least in my opinion. It's yeah, I I feel like it's almost. Um... And I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but it's like uh, it's it's Tarantino to to an art house cartoonish sort of way. I yeah. mean, even if you look at the character uh, Rockabilly, who's like this weird gender bender, my, like minor background character, but it kind of Im- it embodies one of those corners of what the bad city, which I always find brilliant that that she called this the the the, the, the setting of this is the quote unquote bad city, which is not like any sort of existing city but she has all these like these um archetypes and even a character that would not be accepted in iran 
I mean, a, a cross-dressing gay character, gay man in in Iran, that's not acceptable for yeah. their culture, right? So it's like, I, I, she still had like, she, yeah, she is outlandish and 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 and, and to that almost um, like homage degree that that um, Tarantino is, but there's more deeper moral substance to all of hers than I think that Tarantino gives him. He's mostly just trying to pay homage to his heroes and to the films that influenced where he got there. But she's trying to give more subtext, I think, to it. Right. There's, like, a lot of herself that she puts into this. So much. So much. And it's weird because when she was asked about why she made it, she like, her main theme that she made it is because she was lonely when she was Mm. making it. And she was looking for connection. And all these characters are searching for a connection whether they want it or not they're they're all yearning for something whether they're acceptant of it whether they revile themselves for it um yeah yeah for sure um okay best line in this movie I can't really answer that because I was watching this in Iranian and I cannot (laughs) understand the dialogue at all (laughs) <laughs> there are times when I worry about choosing a best line because, like, what if the subtitles just don't do the same context as mm-hmm. the, totally. the line in the original language, too, right? Uh, I feel like, for me, the, the what I picked out the most for the lines uh, was at, there's the scene where um, the son and the father are arguing when the father is like, oh, no, this cat is your mother. Look, this cat is your mother. And mm-hmm. he goes, what do you want from me? And the son goes, you're supposed to be my father. And then they're there's a whole breakdown afterwards that was a little heartbreaking, but mm. uh, I, I think that those were probably my favorite lines. Yeah. I mean, simple things like the, the girl saying I'm bad, you know what I mean? Like like categorizing her, herself as like kind of uh, that I, she, she really correlates herself with what the city is. Right. Mm-hmm. Is she's bad. Um, I also like when um, uh, Saeed's mocking uh, Arash with the cat. It's Mr. Cat. It's oh. Mr. Cat. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy that scene a lot because it. So much of this movie, until you get to the, uh, until you get to the uh, the when she kills Saeed, mm-hmm. um, you're you're not exactly sure. I mean, fuck. Even he is not exactly sure what's going on up until his death. Right. Um, you're not sure what you're getting into. Like, if if you were to just throw this movie on, if you were just hit a random button and this movie were to pop up, and it's this weird black and white movie that starts out with this guy grabbing a cat out of some weird hut in Iran. You know what I mean? To like this weird, like Leonish, like opening beats. Yeah. You know, you have no idea what what this this film is is embodying, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the 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 fact that to pull to pull favorite lines, yeah, it, I, I would agree with the ta- with Taylor. Like context uh, of original language, everything like that. It's like it's really it's really a hard thing to glean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, I was so confused by why that cat was in the movie the whole time until they get to the last scene where <laughs> they reveal the cat, and I'm like, oh, that's what the cat's for. Like so they kept showing the cat. And I was like, okay, maybe it's there just to like show the breakdown of the father, and mm-hmm. like it just seemed like an odd extra thing in the movie. And then right at the end, they show the cat, and I'm like, okay, this brings it all together. Yeah. No, it was 
I, I don't know what it was, but when I was watching it, I was trying to like turn on the subtitles and it wasn't working. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna freewheel this. I'm gonna watch this movie in Iranian and uh, try to pick up on it. And uh, I don't know, I don't think it worked that well, but I had seen it before, so it wasn't like too bad. It was, but definitely I was like trying to be like, what would be my favorite line? And then I'm like, forget about it. It ain't happening. Today. <laughs> it's funny because the <laughs> subtitles almost didn't work properly for the one I was watching. And I was considering just Googling subtitles and reading them along with the film if I could. Oh, that would have been interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that would not really have uh, contributed to the movie experience, but... Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't do, try to do that. I was just like, you know what, I, I can pick follow along, but... And I was generally following along the plot, but definitely when it came to like the minute stuff, like the lines, I was like, I got to set this one out. Uh, best performance... Uh, I'm gonna go with um, uh, Sheila Vand. Okay. Yeah, I she's, think I. Yeah. She is mesmerizing. Those those long shots into her eyes and everything. I'm just right. You could really fall for her. <laughs> you, really <laughs> you really could because she 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 never betrays. Like it, as I brought up before, that that Amanpour made it out of loneliness, and she she has that in her eyes. She never le- loses that throughout the film. Right. Yeah. Even even though she's shorter than almost all of the other characters that she mm-hmm. encounters in the movie, she's yeah. still intimidating. Like in the sense that a lot of them would back down if she tried to confront them. You know. Yeah. She has a presence about her. It's it's really cool. Uh, I I want to say say the 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 drug dealer guy. <laughs> I don't know why. I yeah. was just I thought his performance was pretty wacky, but also pretty funny too. I mean, the man has def- definitely bucked rails before, eh? Yeah, he knew, <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was doing in those scenes. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know what it was. I think it was just like watching his performance. I and then. There's a scene where obviously, like you know, he's she's like, put your finger in my mouth, and part of me is like, this is a fucking moron. But <laughs> yeah, but I, three I still... times, three times is never good. Never like when you go for the third time, it ain't coming back. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, uh, you know, like the first time I'd be like, oh, that's cool that you're into this, but you know, maybe we can stop. But then after three times, I'd be like, okay, I'm taking my finger out now this is too much <laughs> so yeah it was, it was a little weird but yeah that, that, that was probably it for me um yeah best uh kill i put uh well i wrote down dude with the sex tattoo getting his finger eaten off but yeah i think yeah. his name is saeed i want to say it is saeed the pimp yeah yeah, that, yeah. That was that was probably it because he gets his finger his finger bitten off and then she goes for his neck and I thought that was just great. And yeah, how I... how he goes from tough to screaming victim. Yeah, well that's that's guys like that in a nutshell. I fucking right? love it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that. That's why is why he felt safe putting his finger in another time because he's usually the one who has most of the power, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why it's me too. The movie. Movie, so 
Yeah. It, it, yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. Cause, I mean, she's an Avenger in a way, right? Yeah, put her in <laughs> yeah. Avengers 5 or whatever. No, yeah. <laughs> hold on. Uh, and that has such different connotation these days. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's the one that she's not getting revenge for herself and she's not... She's not, it's not vengeance because she has no, um, she has no real connection to it. She's trying to, she's trying to, um, she's, she's trying to, to get justice for other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I totally hear you. Steve, I... But what I wanted, what I wanted <laughs> to know is at what point in Avengers five is Dr. Strange going to open up in a portal and a skateboarding vampire is going to come on out. These oh, are the fuck. hard questions we need to start asking. Okay? Sam Raimi, come on, make it happen. Make it. This is this is the real. This is the real thing. <laughs> oh, man. That would be, that would be legitimately. I I would probably be the only person hooting and hollering in the theater. Everyone else would be like, what? And she's in black and white still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would yeah. be pretty cool. I'm so in. I'm so in. Just I- even seeing the silhouette of her skateboarding with like the. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's called a Tador. Like, mm. billowing behind her is, like, oh, it's it's so good. Yeah. That that whole aesthetic, I feel like, is I'm, I'm in the mindset. I just want to emulate it. <laughs> totally. Okay. Um, dumbest decision. I think we kind of touched on this, but put your finger in three times. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I'm gonna be honest. If a girl was like, "Can you put your finger in my mouth a third time?" I'd be like, "I think it's time to leave." Like, just... <laughs> should we go get an actual dessert from somewhere? Like, do you want to eat some food? <laughs> Is this like a thing you're into? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was probably the. That, that I would say that's mine too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of hard to say because I feel like he was going to make bad, that dude was going to make bad decisions regardless. Mm-hmm. He's oh, already yeah. making bad decisions. Because he, he's he's the powerful person in Bad City. Like, they, they established that. He has no fear. Even when he walks by her on the street. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like anybody else would be perturbed by that look because, I mean, she, the girl looks unsettling. Mm-hmm. She doesn't yeah. look... He looks at the real at, at at all times when she's on the street. That's why I think it's such a stark contrast when she's in her own apartment. She just looks like a your standard kind of emo kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he gets so far and he turns around, walks around, and goes right back to her. Yeah. And it's like, come with me, right? Like he has no fear. He has he owns that city. That's his city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the all the money goes through him at one point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I it's an immediate bust down, and I think that's why it's such a great death because he just becomes a mewling cat. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind yeah. of why I wish that would have been drawn out a little bit more. Is because you get it right in the beginning, yeah, and then it's done, and you're like, oh yeah. But then like well, at the deaths after that don't have quite the same punch because even though later on in the movie she kills um, Arash's father yes. when he like forces. Um, to take heroin which is pretty fucked up but it's yeah. not quite the same punch as when she gets him because you still have a little bit of sympathy towards him being Arash's father 
Totally. So I don't know. I kind of wish they would have drawn. Maybe that's just because I'm used to Hollywood, though, where they always draw that shit out for like the mm-hmm. best punch. But I, I kind of wish they would have made that last a little bit longer in the movie. Well, it's kind of like the the beginning of it kind of punches out the middle of the house of cards and everything kind of falls around it. Like you've taken mm-hmm. you've taken out the tyrant king. And so now everybody can act on their best and their worst instincts. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, with no repercussions whatsoever. Because, uh, you know, that's that's Hossein uh, exerting his power. Yeah. Because now he has some power now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which was so unsettling for me, uh, even when the first time I watched it, because it's Marshall Manesh that plays him, and he was Ranjit in uh, How I Met Your Mother. He's Barney Stinson's uh, cab, uh, limo driver. Right. Oh. And it's such a weird thing to see because he's he's been in so many sitcom comedies and, and shit like that. Um, then when you see him in something dark like this, and especially how he goes out and everything, you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's quite the difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. Uh, I think it's time to rate this movie. Oh, boy. Do I go high as high as I can on this one? Because you I mean, should live your best life. This movie is a nine. <laughs> this, this, I think I'll just take. I'll shave off point five just because it, it's not super accessible, uh, and like that that unrecommendability to it to to like uh, to an open audience is, is really tough. Uh, so right. I'm gonna go nine point five out of ten. Okay. Huh. This one is kind of tough for me. I I want to go with an eight. It was really right. good. I'm finding a, a little hard to talk about on this podcast, though, and bring up, like, specific things that were, like... Like, I really like the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. I really like certain elements of the story. It was a little bit lower, but I think that was to its... Uh, I think that was a positive, because it is more of a, a stylistic film. Maybe I'm just not 100% into uh, films that are overly stylistic, Um and that's why I'm kind of marking it down a little bit. But yeah, I think I'm going to go with an eight. This is this is a solid, good vampire movie that kind of takes it a little bit away from what... I just like it when they break the mold a little bit, especially with vampires. Because vampires, I find most people try and go that aristocratic. Like, I just... I don't always like that vampire aesthetic. This one was mm-hmm. dope. I loved it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, kind of like your... Um... Fright Night kind of vampire, like the, you know, uh, very well dressed, well mannered. This one was just a skateboarding girl. She was yeah. in her best life. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, not about it's not about um, um, destroying the vampire. Like a lot of those yeah. ones are like like this thing's evil. We have to destroy it. That one, this one's not about the the destruction of an evil. This is just like. These are the characters that live in the bad city. One of them happens to be a vampire, and this is how they interact. Yeah, she was just always herself, and she mm-hmm. never really wanted, or it never really seemed like she wanted to change. She was just vibing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm going to give this a nine. I did really enjoy this. I do think that, uh, yeah, I think the movie gets a little aimless at times amidst its style, but I, I think there's more substance to it than some people might give it discredit for. But definitely part of me was thinking the whole time, like, 
this is a good movie, but this is also a movie that I don't overly care to revisit often. So, um, but still a good movie. I would still obviously recommend that people watch it. I think it's a great movie to even just check out the one time. So, cool. Well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at the Steve Dead. I'm also on Instagram at the same uh, under the same name. Um, you can also find me on Letterbox. Oh, excuse me. Um, and then I, I am on about Letterbox myself. Yeah, so. I know. I'm <laughs> sad about it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I'm on uh, the Shift with Shane Hewitt every Thursday nights across Canada at 11 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm also. Uh, Vancouver local on Jack FM with uh, on uh, directs on Jack, and that is Thursday mornings at like six thirty between six twenty and six thirty. Um, this week, I was, uh, this past week, I was as soon as you heard Collective Souls, the world I know when that song ended, I was on. Wow, I know, which is which is a, a for a radio kid like me is like <gasps> I just backed up Collective Soul, so I'm okay with that. That's, uh, that's it's like they opened for you yeah right 100%. right and, and and a track that i really love like if it was december if it was the song december i would have been in, even in more love or like gel mm-hmm. because i was a big jerky boys the movie fan at the time so yeah. oh yeah oh yeah nice uh taylor where can people find you on the internet um, not many places. Mainly my blog, which is circeanic.blog.home or .home.blog. Now I'm totally blanking. Um, or social media. I fart around on Instagram and Twitter sometimes. And that's pretty much it. Nice. Uh, I'm over at Letterbox Fatal Koala, where I'm not. I'm refusing to take down my review of Land, even if the studio has told me to not review it. Because yeah, I I was told the same thing too. Uh, I just watched it the other day, and you guys was... were told to take down your reviews. Well, they they the theaters have been are, are closed still, and they were planning to have a theatrical release because the studio because Focus wants to really push this one because it's Robin Wright's directorial debut. Um, and they really want to push it, especially award season, because both they, I think they're they're shopping both her and Damien Bashir for for acting awards. Um, but it's just nothing's working out this year, so they have to plan a VOD date for it now, which they don't have. And the movie's hmm. garbage. Yeah, I, I just didn't think it was garbage. I thought the first, I thought the first act is really, really, really tough to get through. Uh, just because you have no connotation with the character, you have no history with the character, it feels over, overly dramatic and overwrought. But once you, I think, I mean, once she gets through her stupidity and is basically kind of saved and shown the onto the right path, it kind of corrects itself, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah, I yeah, you're gonna get so frustrated, listeners. If you watch this movie, you will get frustrated with the decisions Robin Wright's mm-hmm. character makes in this movie. It's like somebody who doesn't know how to zip up a zipper trying to survive in the outdoors. Probably mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would agree. Uh, yeah, I'm over at threegreennerds.com where we do monthly movie commentaries. We also do uh, movie club. Because there's not too many new movies coming out, so we figured let's talk about some old ones. And I subjected everyone to Barry Lyndon. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they were very mad that it was a three hour long movie. And I'm like, you know what? Suck it up, princess. <laughs> not every movie's going to be 90 minutes. No. 
Um, Especially in Kubrick's world. Like, come on, guys. No. Kubrick needs three hours. Um, he deserves three hours. Yeah. And a little bit of a tease, but we might have a special guest on, on the upcoming Trumple episode. I don't want to confirm it fully because it's up in the air a little bit still, but we might have a special guest. If not, you can just treat us like special guests because you know what? We're special nonetheless. So, <laughs> And I will say one of the one of the greatest screams in the 80s. Oh, for Texas Chainsaw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, kidding. to a piercing degree of, like, holy fuck. And, spoilers, it's from Dennis Hopper. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, man. The man was a fucking legend. Yeah. But now we're talking next time about The Devil's Candy and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh, a Texas horror double feature. Very excited about that. All right. Until next time, everybody. Bye for now. <laughs>